Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in Corona, and how to donate when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's son, Shane Lance, and his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 called The Eternal Prize. Okay, so we're in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 9, all right? And if you don't have a Bible, maybe you have your phone, but if you don't have either, we have Bibles in the back. You can grab one and follow along. This morning, the message is called The Eternal Prize, Um, and that's kind of the theme. Uh, We have kind of two sections this morning we're going to go through. We're going to kind of recap 19. Pastor Mike already touched on uh, verse 19, but we're going to just go back, recap it real quick, go to 23, and then we kind of start a little bit of a different thought and illustration from Paul in verse 24, but uh, we'll work it all together. So can we just read the first section together? Uh, This is verse 19. And I'm reading out of the ESV this morning. It says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. And to those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Are you with me? There's a lot of laws there. All right, verse 21. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. And I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings." So there's a lot there. Uh, When I first read the section, I kind of just scratched my head, took another drink of coffee, and then I read it again. Because there's a lot of laws, and I'm I'm going to serve them, but I'm not actually under their law, but I'm going to, you know, and so you're like, what's going on? All right, so first of all, I think we have to understand, uh, as Paul's writing every one of his letters, but uh, the the, the theme here is that Paul is saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes to save people for the kingdom of Christ. And that would be my first, uh, the first impression I get when I read this text, that's it right there. What am I doing for the sake of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? What am I doing? And am I willing to do whatever it takes? Now some of you are like, well, what do you mean whatever it takes? Well, whatever it takes. And for some of us this morning, I wonder if we're even doing a little bit of what it takes. Because sometimes I look at my life and God presents an opportunity and somebody's, you know, walking by and I'm like, no, that's not the Lord. That guy's scary looking, man. That's not the Lord. Come on. You wouldn't do that, Lord. Oh, but he would. And so my first impression from the text this morning is Paul's main concern is that winning people for Christ is his goal. Now, the word for win here shows up in Scripture in various spots, uh, but the word for win here in the original language has this idea of securing, uh, to grab hold of, almost you could say to reel in. How many of you are fishers, fishermen, fisherwomen? Is that, would you say that? You like to fish. Okay, I'm not a fisherman uh, by any means, 
In fact, um, every time I have gone fishing, I've wondered what's going on the whole time. Um, it's hours upon hours. We get up at ungodly hours in the morning. We go to this place that uh, is full of dirty water, and then uh, we throw these little strings into the water, and if you're me, nothing happens. Um, we just sit there, and, and then when I ask the seasoned men what I'm doing wrong, they have no real answer. They just uh, try to encourage me, I guess. But the problem remains that uh, my line is not moving. And then uh, one time I caught a fish and I felt terrible. I was like, look at this little thing squirming. And if it could scream, it'd probably be screaming for its life. And here I am. And the guy's like, all right, now you're going to take your knife and you're going to slit it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no. No, I actually like fish. I'm not a vegetarian. Um, I like meat. But uh, it is different when you catch something and then the guy hands you the knife and says, all right, go ahead. And in our Western culture, sometimes that's a little foreign. So some of you are from the South and you think I'm a big weenie. But uh, <laughs> I grew up in Southern California where fish just was already pre-wrapped at the store. But that's kind of the illustration is there is this idea of uh, fishing. And do you guys remember in uh, Scripture anywhere else where somebody talked about fishing? Jesus talked about fishing. In fact, Jesus talks about fishing in Matthew 4.19. He says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the idea that we see in the text is very much the heart of Jesus because Jesus said it. He said, that's what I want you to do. Jesus was in a sense saying, you see this little group of ours here? Let's make it bigger. In fact, let's not keep the things that are happening. In fact, when you see Jesus do miracles, more often than not, what does he tell the person after the miracles happened? He says, now go and tell your family and your friends and tell them of the wondrous things that God has done for you. And so I wonder sometimes if we get too comfortable with our little meetings here at church, but then when we leave, does anybody know? Now, obviously, we come and we come here to worship God. We come here to have fellowship with other believers. And those things are priceless. There's nothing like coming together and being unified in the name of Jesus and lifting high his name through music and through teaching and, and song and prayer and even eating food. But if it stops there, and when I walk out those doors, I'm not a fisherman. I would submit to you that a huge part of the call on my life as a Christian is absent. Because it's not a call that I come here and I get filled up and then I do nothing with it. Because I would submit to you that if you are being continually filled up, it will pour out. Now, I could do an illustration this morning. I'm all about illustrations. I'm a visual learner. I could take a big glass and take a hose, because God is in endless supply, and I could start filling that glass. Now, for a few minutes, the glass would consume everything, right? But after a few moments, that glass would start pouring over. Because if the vessel is being continually poured into, it's got to go somewhere. 
I've heard an illustration. If I go to a coffee shop in the morning and I ask for you know, a regular cup of the house blend and I turn around and I bump into somebody and my coffee spills all over the floor. The guy bumps my mug. Say somebody bumps my mug and coffee will come out. Now, why does coffee come out of my mug? Because that's what I put in my mug. This is not like a trick question, right? <laughs> I put coffee in the mug so when it gets shaken, coffee comes out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, okay. All right, cool. I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. All right, so the same thing is true of my Christian life. Whatever I fill myself with, it will inevitably come out when I'm shaken. When things get bumpy, the things that I've been pouring into my life will come out of my life. If I've been consuming and taking in the word of God, it will come out. Jesus, again, is the perfect example of this. When he's tempted in the wilderness, every time a temptation comes, what is Jesus' response? Scripture. Scripture. He would respond with Scripture, and Satan could not get to him because he was guarded by the truth of God's Word. So that's my first thought this morning. I don't really care for fishing, but... Um, it should be an active part of my life as a Christian, spiritually. Because my goal, I want to be like Paul in the sense that my goal, my greatest goal is to win souls for Jesus. And I think that we lose sight of that goal in our busyness. I don't know about you guys, but I have a lot of like, things going on in my life. And, uh, you know, sometimes it, I'll go through a whole day and, and then I, I finally lay down and my head hits the pillow. And I, I feel like the Lord says this to me sometimes. Hey, uh, just catching up. It's been all day and we haven't really talked. And I'm like, ah, you know when you guys set a date and you forget to show up? Has anybody ever done that? You set a date, you're like the one that's like, yep, let's do it. And then you forget it, and the person texts you, and you're like, on the way, which means like getting out of bed, and you know, you're like way behind schedule. That's happened to me before. And you just feel this terrible sense of like, oh my gosh, I told this person I was going to meet with them. I feel like God should be so real to us that that's kind of how it feels. Not that God is guilt tripping us but I want to meet my appointments with God. I want to be there to spend time with him. Not for his sake, but for mine. Which sounds kind of selfish, but God won't glean anything with time from me. Uh, I'm not that special. So I want to spend that time with him so that when I'm shaken, it will naturally pour out. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of uh, righteousness is a tree of life and whoever, listen to this, whoever captures or wins you could say souls is wise. So there's actually wisdom in sharing your faith. Proverbs says that it's wise to be a winner of souls. And I don't know about you church but there is nothing greater than moments in your life where just like uh, the Spradleys were talking about in their video where you get that moment with somebody you've been you've been sharing the gospel with and it finally clicks there's nothing like that when you see somebody for the first time realize oh I get it 
and you see the wheels turning and God is moving in their life. There's nothing quite like it. Do you feel equipped to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you prepared to explain why you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you find it difficult to defend your Christian faith? The Ministry of Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a copy of his book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. My hope in writing the book was to help each and every one of us know how to put on this armor so that we can be effective in our Christian walk and not fall and hurt ourselves and others. And of course, you know, we should be thinking about we don't want to dishonor our God who purchased us. And so we put on the provision. That's the takeaway is, hey, I know how to do this now. We will send you a copy of Suit Up as a thank you when you send a financial gift of $5 or more to Walk in Truth. Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we appreciate your help to broadcast and grow the ministry to more radio stations. Please give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com. Click the Donate button or call 844-48-TRUTH. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now... Back to Walk in Truth. Sometimes it, I'll go through a whole day and, and then I, I finally lay down and my head hits the pillow and I, I feel like the Lord says this to me sometimes. Hey, uh, just catching up. It's been all day and we haven't really talked. And I'm like, ah, you know when you guys set a date and you forget to show up? Has anybody ever done that? You set a date, you're like the one that's like, yep, let's do it, and then you forget it, and the person texts you, and you're like, on the way, which means like getting out of bed, and you know, you're like way behind schedule. That's happened to me before, and you just feel this terrible sense of like, oh my gosh, I told this person I was going to meet with them. I feel like God should be so real to us that that's kind of how it feels, not that God is guilt-tripping us. But I want to meet my appointments with God. I want to be there to spend time with Him. Not for His sake, but for mine. Which sounds kind of selfish, but God won't glean anything with time from me. Uh, I'm not that special. So I want to spend that time with Him so that when I'm shaken, it will naturally pour out. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of Uh, righteousness is a tree of life and whoever, listen to this, whoever captures or wins you could say souls is wise. So there's actually wisdom in sharing your faith. Proverbs says that it's wise to be a winner of souls. And I don't know about you church but there is nothing greater than moments in your life where just like the Spradleys were talking about in their video where you get that moment with somebody you've been you've been sharing the gospel with, and it finally clicks. There's nothing like that. When you see somebody for the first time realize, oh, I get it. And you see the wheels turning and God is moving in their life. There's nothing quite like it. And I I wonder if, you know, let's say that there's 500 adults that meet here every Sunday. If each one of us made it a goal every week just just to talk to one person about Jesus, the impact that we would have just on our community alone would be amazing. Maybe it was two. 
If each one of us told two people about Jesus every week, we'd be reaching a thousand people a week. That's crazy. And you know what's even more crazy is that you don't even have to be good at it. <laughs> Isn't that great? We have people, we go out at the evangelism group. I used to go a lot more. Uh, I'm so busy on Wednesdays now. They go during our rehearsals and stuff. But I would go and we had one, this one lady and she is so faithful. But she was just, we, we, we did one uh, series with the Way of the Master series and we would knock on the door. And you'd have to be careful. You'd have to kind of hide the clipboard with the notes because people would be, I don't want solar. And they'd shut the door. And you're like, no, I'm not selling solar panels. Uh, some people just shut the door when they found out what we were talking about anyways. But um, every time we'd ring the doorbell, she'd just be shaking. And I'm like, are you okay? You know, like I'm more of a people person, like knocking on doors. I've done like cold sales jobs before where I'm selling spa packages in a mall. So no one hates you more than when you're that guy. You know, you walk up with your dumb tie on and, and you're like, excuse me, sir. And they're like, no. You know, it's like you didn't even tell them what you were selling yet. They just don't want it. Um, so I've done those jobs, but every time we would knock on, this, on these doors, this lady would just start trembling, and so we'd pray, and, and she, but then when, it's amazing, because the nerves would kind of fade away, and God would just start moving, and you'd see this lady spitting scripture. I'm like, you go, girl. I'm not even saying anything. She's just preaching fire, man. Scripture is just flowing, and then we'd leave, and she'd be like, I don't know how I did any of that. I'm like, that's the Lord, man. That's like, that's so cool. And so some of you, just the idea of sharing your faith, going out and winning souls, you're like checked out at the beginning of this message. You're like, evangelism is not for me. I'm not a people person. That's not my thing. Uh, Paul can do that. Paul can woohoo, and he just can kiss people and win them in. And the, Paul can be the winner, and I'll, I'll, I'll be over here. But the call is actually on that back wall right there, and it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples, or you could say, go, therefore, and win souls of every nation. And that nation might be your coworkers. It might be the, the same girl that serves you the cup of coffee at the Starbucks drive-thru every morning. And you don't even know her name. Unless she's wearing a name tag, then that's just you not reading. All right, and so we have a mission field everywhere. But the question is, are we seeking to win souls? I will tell you that one of my favorite, turn to John chapter 4. Turn with me to John chapter 4. I don't want to spend a ton of time here, but this is also one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it's the woman at the well. I can tell you that this, this story is one of the stories, this is the reason I'm a Christian, because I see the heart of Jesus so strong in this passage of Scripture and just to kind of go through it, uh, let's go to verse 4, John 4, verse 4. We'll just quickly read through this. It says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact he was not uh, the one baptizing but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Now there's different thoughts on this, but um, some would say that Jesus, just in his uh, all-knowingness, chose to go through Samaria, which I would definitely agree with. Uh, so he goes through Samaria. Now that's the first thing. That's totally not the norm, okay? But then it says in verse 5, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, and near the plot of ground where Jacob had given his son Joseph. Um, and Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tried, uh, Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. 
Now, I can't teach this section of Scripture, or we'll be here for four hours, but um, essentially, this whole scenario is quite bizarre. Uh, First of all, we're going to see this woman show up. In 7, it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? So we can just put the brakes on right there. There's all sorts of weird things going on. First of all, you don't draw water at noon. It's one of the hottest part of the days, and the women would usually go early in the morning hours to get water from the well. But this woman is coming by herself, which is slightly odd, and she's coming at noon, which is also odd. And uh, if you studied this passage before, you know that it's been um, thought that, that she might have been somebody who's a prostitute or an outcast for some reason from her, her uh, surrounding area. So she would have to go draw water by herself. Uh, she didn't really have a group of friends to go with, etc. So Jesus goes through Samaria. So that's the first thing that we went back and looked at at the beginning of this section. That's weird. And then on top of that, now we have a Jew going through Samaria who's talking to a Samaritan woman and asking her for water. Now, again, if you've studied the scripture and if you haven't, just read through this section. It's amazing. But Jesus begins to just preach the gospel to her. He breaks all social norms to win her soul. He does not care that she is Samaritan. He does not care that she's an outcast. He does not care that she's a woman and that he shouldn't really be talking to her in their culture. He just says, I don't care. I want to win her soul. And he does whatever it takes to do that. And you know what happens at the end of this story? The woman says in verse 25, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I The one you are speaking to am he. And she hears the fullness of the gospel and comes to understand who the Messiah is because Jesus stepped out and did something that people didn't normally do. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you want to step out and do something that you know people don't normally do, but the idea of it just being weird overwhelms you? And you're like, nah, I can't do that. That would be so weird. That'd be so awkward. Just do it. Because God wants to use you. Now, obviously, be smart, okay? I don't have to tell you that. Use discernment. But if there's an opportunity presented to share the gospel, I promise you, I promise you that if you move forward and you trust that God will work, even if the, the, the conversion isn't right on the spot because most of the time in my experience when I've shared the gospel, people aren't like falling on their knees, weeping and, and giving their life to Christ. It's usually a good conversation. I'm building a relationship with that person. I'm letting them know that they're loved, that God loves them. And even if I'm never going to see them again, I can trust that God is sovereign and that a seed has been planted. You're listening to Walk in Truth, and this was part one of Shane Lance's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 called The Eternal Prize. Hey, remember to visit our website, walkintruth.com. It's our communication tool for you to learn more about the ministry, listen to programs you might have missed, get resources to help you in your Bible study, and contact us with questions and prayer requests. Again, the website is walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You may be asking yourself, how can I be all things to all people? I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not sure I can be like Paul. Well, hey, Paul was uh, an amazing man, but remember, he was a man, and he was human like us, and he had his struggles. 
And I think here's the bottom line of how you can be all things to all men is it means that you never change the gospel, but you can change your approach. You're going to speak differently to someone who has a Jewish background, or let's say that you meet someone who, you know, their whole family's from India and there's a a Hindu or Eastern background. You're going to start at different places with different people. Maybe you meet someone who's an atheist, a professing atheist, and maybe you're going to start with a cosmological argument. You're just going to talk about how creation cries out that there's a creator. You see, the gospel never changes. It's about the death and resurrection of Jesus and him being the hope of the world. But how you get there can change. That's all that Paul's saying. You, you got to tailor your approach and how you get to the gospel, but you always get to the gospel The gospel is what saves, but we can adjust our presentation for our audience in the sense of how we get there, how we get to the God of the Bible. Acts 17 may may be through uh, creation Uh, in different parts of the book of Acts, uh, even early in the chapter. It's through Old Testament prophecies to those who know about those. I think you get the idea. It's making sure you get to the gospel, but making sure you tailor your message to the person you're speaking to. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that you, you can you can get there in different directions because God's fingerprints are all over what he made. Well, I pray that each of us will be encouraged as we are gospel-centered people making 2020 about sharing the good news with our friends, family, neighbors, coworkers. I pray that the Lord will help all of us on that journey. Grateful that you're listening to Walk in Truth. We'll catch you next time on the program. Tune in tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's son Shane's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 called The Eternal Prize. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.